Hey everyone, welcome back to Christmas in July on every version ever. My name is Jonathan North, and today we're looking at a whole bunch of Hallmark, Lifetime-esque TV movie adaptations of A Christmas Carol, all of them featuring gender-swapped Scrooge characters. This episode ended up being even bigger than I thought, because I had originally planned for it to cover just movies I had previously reviewed with Rachel Wagner. Rachel is the founder of the Hallmarkies podcast, and as such, she's kind of an expert in Christmas movies, especially of the television film variety. Over the years, Rachel has introduced me to a whole bunch of Hallmark and Lifetime films, and other movies in that same vein, and we've talked about four different TV movie versions of A Christmas Carol, each one featuring a female Scrooge or Scrooge-like character. During the first year of my YouTube channel, we did a video on a movie called A Diva's Christmas Carol, starring Vanessa Williams as a singer named Ebony Scrooge. It was actually a rather entertaining adaptation, and I enjoyed the clever twist they put on the story. And then last year, Rachel and I did an episode of my other podcast, I Heart Movies, and we covered three more female Scrooges in films called Ebby, Every Day is Christmas, and It's Christmas Carol, each one building off the Christmas Carol framework, but in completely different ways. My plan for this episode originally was to combine the original review of A Diva's Christmas Carol with last year's podcast and make one big episode out of it, until I started editing, and I realized there was one more female Hallmark Scrooge out there that I had somehow missed. So at the last minute, I found a copy, got a hold of Rachel, and we recorded one more review. And that final film is from 2003, and it's called A Carol Christmas, another Christmas Carol film featuring a woman literally named Carol, except this one is played by Tori Spelling. So all in all, we are now talking about five different films for this episode. So if you're a fan of Christmas Carol, and you're a fan of Hallmark movies, or TV films, or cable rom-coms, then take notes, because you're definitely going to want to check out some of these films we're talking about today. I have to say, this is probably one of the most unique versions I've ever seen. Yeah. I have a podcast where I watch Hallmark movies. I, I am sort of a, an aficionado of, of TV movies, particularly Christmas movies. And uh, there are three pretty solid, entertaining Christmas Carol adaptations that have been on the various channels. This one, The Divas Christmas Carol with uh, Vanessa Williams, that... Uh, is was on VH1 originally, and then there's It's Christmas Carol that has Carrie Fisher in it. That's really fun, and that was on Hallmark Channel. And then you have I can't remember what it's called uh, with Tori Spelling. And I actually like all three. I think they're all three enjoyable. They're not like feature film worthy, but I I think they they all are fun in my opinion. And so, but this one is probably the best out of those three. And uh, it, it makes some interesting choices, and I think it has some funny parts, it has some scary parts. It's just an enjoyable film, in my opinion. Basically, the setup of this version of Christmas Carol is, like I said, starring Vanessa Williams, and she plays this singer, this celebrity named Ebony, and uh, she is really, like, cold and like, bitter and and uh, wants everything to be perfect and is making all of her staff work all these crazy hours. She has this niece that she never sees and is kind of rude to. Uh, so she's just a, you know, just a jerk like Scrooge should be. And uh, so it, it sort of sets it up. How did you like the setup of uh, Ebony and her character? When you first open the movie, it's like she seems like a really nice person. She's singing this really great holiday song and then it turns out that this is actually for a show and she's not like who she seems to be at all she's this awful person who is screaming at all of her assistants and she makes the one guy start crying which for some reason i found it really funny yeah <laughs> but yeah it is funny i agree yeah so she's just a horrible person and i really liked how they set that up 
But yeah. Vanessa Williams, she yeah. is so good. I I loved her back when she was on the show Ugly Betty. A very kind of a similar character. She's just great at playing absolutely awful people. People that you you love to hate. So they have Jacob Marley, the figure, is a former band uh, mate of Ebony. She was part of a trio originally. And her name is Marley, M-A-R-L-I. <laughs> and she is uh, Chili from the band TLC. And I thought at least her like costume was kind of clever, the way that they, they had the chains kind of on as part of her costume. Mm-hmm. Uh, as part of, I thought it was sort of clever the way they did the, the, the chain. And you learn that, that she, was, she was pretty awful to these, these uh, bandmates. And, and uh, so our, our Christmas past is Kathy Griffin. And I, I thought she was pretty funny. I, I thought, yeah. I'm not like the biggest fan of hers, but I thought no. the dialogue was pretty funny. Yeah, Kathy Griffin has become sort of a controversial figure in recent yes. years, but I don't think I, she's been in so many things, never as like a main character, but I don't think I've ever seen anything with her that I didn't like. She's just she's really good at playing small character roles and really hamming it up in the best way possible. So I really liked her character in this version. Yeah. Like, there's some good lines, like, uh, when she she's complimented on her dress, and uh, she says, well, last year I had to show Tom Ford all of his Christmases. <laughs> that was funny. There's the shadows of the people or whatever, and and uh, she, she tells Ebony, Ebony, these aren't real people. It's like Los Angeles. <laughs> I don't know. She was just funny, and yeah. but I, it was pretty, I thought, pretty intense. They go to some dark places with the her backstory i mean at least i thought like the scene with her father just like berating you know them and like being horrible and her becoming this foster child and it got a lot darker than i expected it to with her backstory i'm glad that it was kathy griffin being the one to take her around i don't think i would have liked this if it was the ghost of christmas present taking her around it kind of needed her to be a little bit of light in this in her dark backstory i guess yeah, and you also see that what she did to her band and how she basically bailed on them right right as they were kind of getting famous. And and there's some pretty, I think, decent songs in this. Yeah, I was really surprised at how much I liked the songs. And you also get a look at her former bandmate uh, who is just, uh, just in a horrible situation. I guess she had gotten to a point where she'd actually sued Ebony for the way that she left or whatever and, and for their songs and stuff. And I took it as she, the other way around. I took it that Ebony had sued her and that's why she was in such a bad place. Oh, maybe I misunderstood that. But yeah, there was, there, there was bad blood between them. Between yeah. them and it, yep. it originated from the way that Ebony had left and just kind of left her in the lurch and she didn't have any of her songs. So there's sort of that plot element as well so then we get to present and this is a guy actor named john taylor and he's like a hard rocker <laughs> she gets she opens her room and her you know like they always do with present and instead of like being feast or whatever it's like her whole suite is like completely trashed <laughs> yeah i didn't yeah. really care for him as much yeah I, I can see that he's kind of like a russell brand kind of type character 
I feel like they should have worked a little harder to make him more likable. I didn't think he was very likable. Yeah, I, that's I, true. I kind of expected... Because, like, the Ghost of Christmas Present is supposed to be the, the jolly one, the happy one. And you got a lot more happiness out of Kathy Griffin in the past than yeah. this hard rocker drunk guy in the present. Yeah, I can see that. I think they were going for like a rock and roll kind of version of like partying and happiness kind of thing. But like, but yeah, I, I, I can see. I agree. He is he isn't strong. He isn't a great character and he is kind of annoying. But I like the I like just sort of the idea of it being the sort of rock and roll version. But you basically see in present you see her her crew complaining and and uh getting upset. You see Bob her, uh, the Cratchit character who is, had dated Ebony, had been in love with her, but, and we do find out some of that in past, but, um, uh, he now is married to this other woman and they have a son who has, is in very poor health named Tim and he needs to spend more time with him because it's very touch and go. And she like basically threatens to fire him if she, if he goes and spends time with his son, he's like, screw you. I don't care. I'm going to spend time with my son. And uh, what did you think of that? I liked their dynamic together. I didn't really care for his family. And I know that's terrible to say about a sick child, but he was not a good actor and I didn't like him. <laughs> yeah. TV movies, kid actors can be not the I, Yeah, But I thought there is some nice heart, I think, between, and the idea of sort of Cratchit and, uh, and the Scrooge character being in love with each other at one point. That's sort of an interesting take on it. Yeah, I like that twist. I liked that they had a past like that. Yeah. I'm not so sure that yes. I liked how his wife was handling it because it seemed like she was jealous. And I didn't really care for that. I wanted her to be more likable. But I guess I get it. I just... I was a bit annoyed with her as well. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I can understand because like if you're, if you were stressed out about your child being sick and maybe dying and your husband was being kept on the road away from your family, like I think I would probably be pretty like her, but I can see what you mean. Uh, she's not the greatest actress or the greatest, uh, the greatest role, but uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, it's interesting. I mean, it would have been really easy for them to make him like a single dad or something like that so they could like reunite at the end. Uh, so I thought that was kind of an interesting choice. That they I made. feel like that would have been the easy way out. I kind of yeah. liked that they didn't end up together because that's that happens all the time. Like you have these two yeah. characters who were in love in the past and then at the end they somehow get back together. I liked that he did not do that. I like that he stayed with his wife and family, even though I didn't really care for his wife and child. For for the purpose of the story, I liked that he stayed with them, and it would have been too easy for him to end up back with Ebony. So then we get to future, and I think this is the best part of this movie. It was very clever, I think, to do this behind the music thing, because it's on VH1, and mm -hmm. the idea of like her sitting down watching like the uh the behind the music of ebony and how these interviews and and uh how you know she was this egomaniac and how she went down this this uh the the slide of shame and whatever i don't, I just thought i think that was very clever very smart and uh, i i liked it a lot yeah i thought it was a really great twist to the normal 
version of how you see the ghost of Christmas future. It, that's yeah. not something I'd ever seen before or would have even thought of doing. I really liked that they did it that way. Yeah. It's really good. And and then of course she she has her sort of reckoning or whatever. And she realizes that she needs to change. And so she makes everything right in the end, as always they do. I mean, I just really, I enjoy it. It's maybe kind of a guilty pleasure, but I have no guilt. Yeah. I mean, I know it's not like a great movie, but I think it's entertaining. I like it. Yeah. I can see why you could call it a guilty pleasure. I don't really like the term guilty pleasure because I think you should just like what you like, but that's a good way of putting it. It wasn't the best Christmas movie. It wasn't the best Christmas Carol but it was a fun take on it, and I really enjoyed it. So what was it about Abby that you thought would be a good one for me to watch? This one makes some interesting choices, in my opinion, and I thought it had a nice heart to it. And I hadn't seen it until last year when we were doing our... We did a ranking over Helmick's podcast of all different female Scrooge uh, versions. (laughs) Uh, And uh, so I watched it there and I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. And so I thought uh, that it would be a fun one to talk about. Yeah. This one is basically of the three. This one is like the most Christmas Carol. This is like basically a straight up gender swapped Christmas Carol. The others are more like they take inspiration from a Christmas Carol. This is like they're trying to do a Christmas Carol, but in modern day with a female Scrooge. Yeah, I I agree. And I think this was one of the earlier mm-hmm. female for female Christmas Carol stories. Uh, I like the you know, some of the the choices that they make are. I mean, some parts of it are dated, but mm-hmm. particularly the things involving her sister. Uh, I thought that was well done. It gives a it kind of an interesting motivation. Mm-hmm. why she uh, becomes the person that she's become. Um, and I thought that was pretty well done. Um, I don't know. What did you think of it? This one is probably of the three. I don't know. It might be my second favorite. It's okay. not my least favorite, definitely. But I can't decide which of which of them is my favorite. I think this is up there, but it does. I think it does suffer a little bit from being dated, but that's also not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, it sort of reminded me of a cross between a soap opera and Touched by an Angel. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. <laughs> Just the feel of it was very Touched by an Angel without <laughs> angels. It was the ghosts instead of angels. Well, and then you have just like little things like uh, she sees herself as a kid just loving the Dobson uh, windows and the displays, and which she had just canceled earlier in the mm-hmm. story. So there's a lot of kind of callbacks. And I liked little moments like when he says, you'll have to take these meetings, three appointments. And he's like, can I take them all at once and set up a conference call? <laughs> that was, that yeah. was a funny line, I thought. And uh, the different past, present, and future are all people that she interacts with in the, in the course of the day earlier. So like past are uh, these ladies from the department store. Um, the perfume girls and uh, they're pretty perky and kind of fun and it definitely gets very soap opery with the uh with the boyfriend but i think that that's that's often pretty much i feel like every female version of christmas carol 
the uh the well I, really in general i think the um the oh my gosh bell i think the bell storyline is a little bit hard to kind of it's pretty cheesy it's pretty melodramatic mm-hmm. it's all kind of broken up by the fact that her sister has this miscarriage and um, well it wasn't it wasn't a miscarriage she died in childbirth didn't she yeah. she gets toxemia yeah the, uh, the, the yeah. baby survives yeah that's that's true yeah i burned down wrong but but uh, but she thinks it's her fault for going to this party mm-hmm. and uh and so she blames herself for the death of fran and that's kind of different usually it's just kind of a side note that oh the sister died in childbirth but here they kind of try to make it sort of part of her downward spiral <laughs> mm-hmm. um and it reminded me sort of of the 1951 version in that way because mm-hmm. wasn't that the one that we watched where they added a lot to that backstory uh yeah and the sister they do add a lot of the to the backstory and also it is kind of similar in the sense that uh you have jake the marley character uh and you kind of see the backstory of them buying dobson's and uh and you know they're making like the shrewd business deals you kind of see that back story mm-hmm. like you did in 1951 and uh, and then you see this guy paul and saying you always pick the job over me and, and <laughs> was the name dobson supposed to be a reference to something because it sounded familiar but i didn't know if it was supposed to mean something or if that's just that's what they decided to call the store um i i think it was just what they decided to call the store because uh, the um in this case instead of uh Fezziwig, uh it's dobson and uh and she basically kind of screws over the Fezziwig character dobson uh and ends up buying the store out from under him being kind of dishonest about it and this guy jake when he dies it's very, she's very like callous like uh you know she's got it all they got it all now got this other guy out of the way (laughs) there were too many people involved so all of that is i don't know i it is a little melodramatic but i still liked it i thought it was interesting choices Mm -hmm. and uh um, i I noticed a lot of things like i said this is like pretty much the one that's the most straight up remake yeah reimagining of it but they it seemed like they were trying to use a lot of the lines, but kind of updating them to a modern vernacular. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes it worked and sometimes it was a little cheesy. cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> one of the better ones I thought was when she says there's too many people in the world anyway. Right, right. <laughs> and yeah, and then the, the presence says, uh, well, didn't you, didn't you say there were too many people? Isn't that what you said? And, and she's like, oh, I didn't mean, I didn't mean him. Mm-hmm. And, and then the it says which ones did you mean <laughs> yeah which is pretty good i like that so the ghosts were they supposed to literally be the people that worked at the store or were they were the ghosts taking the form of the people in the store i or was think, that even explained i don't know um hmm, that's an interesting question i i guess they're just taking the form because they're not dead mm-hmm. so yeah, I think they're just taking the form. Okay. I thought it was kind of funny, though, to the Christmas present. She was a right. pun because she was the present wrapper. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little much, but I enjoyed it, too. <laughs> uh-huh. 
And uh, I thought that as Lorena Gale. And I thought she did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. She was fun. I found it interesting that they actually included ignorance and want in this version. Yeah. And instead of ha- having them like hide under Christmas presents robes, they were under wrapping paper. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah that was good i liked that too and i also like the perfume with the with the perfume girls it's the perfume that takes them back in time so they spray spray and find out her dad was kind of a beast that he never wanted kids or cats (laughs) i think there's a lot of versions of this story where they give backstory that the dad is awful right but this one seemed like he was probably super abusive right yeah, you certainly see that in Diva's Christmas Carol, you know, with her dad and being in foster care and all that stuff. And um, so, yeah, I'd agree. A lot of them have that element. And you, know, you kind of see that Christmas was something that was a light, something that was positive to her. But losing the sister was the final straw for her as far as her mental health. <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah. And it, this is the only one that really, sh- maybe the 51 one also has him cheating uh, Fuzzy Wig, but uh, you, don't, uh, you don't often see that. I mean, it's not in the book, mm-hmm. but uh, it's just sort of, you assume he, you kind of assume that, of course, he would have done that to get where he was going. But, uh, but here, it's, you know, it's pretty uh, tangible because you see the Fuzzy Wigs, you see the party, the Dobsons christmas party which is where she was at when the sister dies and mm-hmm. uh, so it makes sense to me what mm-hmm. she ends up doing i think and then you see in the future you see that tiny tim character that he dies and uh i, I did like uh, tiny tim's song he sings angels we have heard on high mm-hmm. and that was nice i liked that he's the kid from uh from home improvement i believe Oh, yeah, I think I read that. He did look kind of familiar, but that wasn't a show that I watched all the time as a kid. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't familiar enough to recognize him until I read that. Yeah. And she gets hit by a car, and she doesn't have any visitors. And she says, I know I can make things better by being better. And uh, I thought she did a pretty good crazy Scrooge. Mm-hmm. I thought she was, you know, as Susan Lee, she, she's, she's really good for this kind of melodramatic type material to play mm-hmm. a, something soap opery. I think she does a good job. Yeah. And I liked the lady who played her sister. It's uh, kind of interesting because they have Molly Parker playing Franny, the sister and the daughter, which is kind of, <laughs> so I think they had some oh, budget, that's right. some budget issues. <laughs> With that well, one. it does kind of make sense because she would look like parents, sort of. So just do her hair a little bit different, maybe. I don't know. Did anything else stand out for you on this one? A lot of the things that stood out to me were just like weird little things that were funny. Like uh-huh. at the beginning, the, the guy saying he finds her scary but alluring. Yeah. And then one thing that I did have a question on, maybe, I don't know if you would know this or not, but she says that Christmas is the last day before the biggest and busiest retail day of the year. So the day after Christmas is the biggest and busiest retail day of the year. So was this made before Black Friday was a thing? 
because Black Friday is the biggest and busiest retail day of the year. Yeah. So this is 19, made in 1995, and I'm pretty sure Black Friday was a thing then. So I'm not sure what she meant by that. I mean, I think that, uh, I think the 26th is the most, you get the most returns uh, of any day of the year. That's what I remember hearing. But uh, I, I don't know. That is interesting. Maybe that's what she meant. I don't know. It just stood out to me. I was like, that the day after Christmas doesn't seem like it would be the biggest, busiest retail day of the year. It's like, what are you buying things for? Mm-hmm. Unless they're sales to get rid of things. Yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Another thing that <laughs> this is probably not meant to be funny, but I found it hilarious was when she was sitting alone in her apartment, she made a microwave frozen dinner. And the way she was eating it, she was just taking the teeniest, tiniest little bites. <laughs> it just cracked me up. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because, you know, when you eat any, eat anything in a movie, you have to eat it like five million times. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah. Um, but overall, I, I think it covers most of the basis of the story. And uh, I think it has a nice heart to it. I think this story really works when you can see sort of when it's more than just about greed when mm-hmm. it's about there's other reasons why the the scrooge character has turned away and isolated themselves from the world mm-hmm. and i think that uh, that helps plus i think it has funny moments like you're saying about christmas present so I, I i like it i think it's a pretty pretty decent one yeah it was pretty good it I'm going to say it's probably my second favorite because I think I liked It's Christmas Carol a bit better than this mm-hmm. one. Well, should we talk about that one then? No, we should talk about Every Day is Christmas next. That okay. one's my least favorite. Okay. Uh, well, I'll tell you why I liked it. Okay. Um, so the thing that worked for me in this movie, I admit that Tony Braxton is not the greatest actress in the world. And I also admit that the, the romance didn't really work that well. But I thought, so the idea of having her parents who died in this horrible car accident and it had really traumatized her uh, and she hadn't really been able to kind of move on beyond that. Uh, and every time she saw her mother, I thought that it was just really devastating and it really worked for me. And I mean, I can imagine if I saw, you know, my grandma's just passed this year. Mm-hmm. If I saw it either, and it wasn't even like a traumatic, wasn't even tra- you know, a trauma thing, but I don't know. I just thought that that was, that really worked every time. It was just like, just her expression, just she was caving in inside every time she saw them. And, and, and I thought also, because I think that even if I had literally just seen them, you know, like 10 minutes before when I saw them again, it would still just completely devastate me um, because you miss them so much. And that sense of missing her parents, I thought was really um, palatable and they did a really good job with that. And I thought that that was an interesting approach to take to the movie of, of making it really about her grief and how that had sort of stalled her in her life and, uh, and how going through this experience kind of allowed her to sort of heal and be ready to to kind of live a full life again. And I, I like Glory Rubin quite a bit as her mom. I thought she did a good job. And uh, that was what really worked for me about it. 
was this element of her seeing her mom and just that how much she missed her her mom and and uh you know i think about my grandpa who passed away in 2001 and i still to this day struggle to talk about him without crying because i missed him so much and and that's just that's not even that wasn't a traumatic death like this case uh and it's been so long but i don't know i just miss him so much and and i that's what i liked about the movie i really thought it got that heart right and uh, so you know it was it was interesting an interesting take on it mm-hmm. well i didn't think that the family stuff that wasn't what i didn't like about this one the mm-hmm. the family stuff was all good yeah it was just a bunch of things that kept standing out to me uh-huh. like the office workers they all seem to have very cheesy dialogue and their acting was not the greatest yeah that's fair like, it ranged from like decent to straight up cringy at times yeah and the dialogue in the office i like i don't really understand what they were talking about but it seemed like even the writers didn't know what they were talking about like all the stuff they were talking about felt like really generic office talk like they were they were like one step away from going numbers numbers spreadsheets yeah. di- i mean <laughs> i guess like <laughs> for me that's a pretty small part of the movie I, I feel like the movie is mostly this romance which i didn't love mm-hmm. and all the stuff with her and her her mother so i, I was willing to forgive that because <laughs> yeah. i felt like it's pretty minimal but it's i don't disagree uh it's not the best as far as that part the one other big thing that was through the entire movie that kind of i don't want to say it bothered me but it just stood out a little Mm -hmm. too much was the music it seemed too playful and or silly when it was when it needed to be more dramatic like especially with like meeting her parents and things Mm -hmm. it 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 didn't do the movie any favors when it made things seem like they were trying to be funny when they should have been going for dramatic. I can see that. Yeah, that's true. That's a fair, fair critique. Yeah. That's often a problem with these TV movies is that the, the, a lot of times the music is too loud and I didn't really feel like this was too loud, but that can be a problem with a lot of them. And then, yeah, it can be just too precocious. (laughs) Uh, And can even in a movie that is precocious, it can be a, a little annoying to have the music telling you to feel precocious, you know, like it could just be a little much. And so that's definitely, that's probably something to be honest that I've gotten a little accustomed to because I watch so many of these kind of movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is, it is a, a frequent flaw <laughs> in them is the music. I will agree with that. Yeah. I kind of wondered because it seemed, I don't know. It just seemed very generic. Like, the composer probably wasn't trying very hard Mm -hmm. like they were trying to hit specific beats and that was about it so i don't know that just it really took me out of it but the family stuff was good the romance stuff i i don't know if i don't know if i bought them as a couple very much yeah but like i didn't really understand their dynamic for most of the movie partly because I was trying to figure out who was who in terms of like, which one is Cratchit, which one is the nephew. Like I was trying to figure out if the driver or Jeff was Cratchit 
And then later I was thinking, well, it was the driver's nephew. But then the driver turns out was Belle. <laughs> so. Kind of, because then there's that other guy that she, that from oh, her that's past. Oh, that's true. There were two yeah, Bells. Yeah, the minister guy. <laughs> yeah, there were kind of two Bells. Uh, and uh, it's, the Cratchit one was the uh, the Jeff guy that she, yeah. at the end, she ends up paying off his mortgage and everything. And I mean, I, at least I guess some of these guys must get overtime or whatever, but I especially, I liked the, I mean, every time she saw her mother, I thought she did a good job. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of uh, these kind of movies where I feel like the reaction is not uh, a normal reaction. Like uh, they had one uh, this, this last weekend called Christmas on my mind where the lead character has has this fall and gets amnesia and nobody had like any everybody was just like very like oh okay i mean if that happened to anybody that you know that would be a shocking you can't remember anything you know in the last two years <laughs> that would be shocking like you'd have a shocked mm-hmm. response right and nobody yeah. did and it was frustrating and uh whereas every time she saw her mom I felt it. So I guess my appreciation for this movie is pretty simple. And uh, I I liked um, that she obviously just misses her mother so much. And, and that would be so horrible in your, in your, you know, your twenties to have both of your parents die in a car accident mm-hmm. out of the blue. Like that would be so traumatizing. And then if you actually did get to see them again, can you imagine how how you'd feel <laughs> like that would be just so overwhelming uh and i i appreciated that it seemed like it never got despite her seeing them repeatedly i felt like every single time she saw them she kind of broke down mm-hmm. like it never became sort of routine for her and that was what worked for me about this movie i thought that was very well done and uh, I, I just, I guess I connected to it kind of emotionally that uh, I can't imagine how hard that would be to lose your parents like that and, and then to be able to see them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, they show the whole scene where uh, she's, you know, cooking, cooking Christmas dinner and everything's all happy. And then she gets that call. And I, it was kind of lame that, that the romance guy was there at the hospital for some reason like i'm like whatever but <laughs> nevertheless when she gets the word from the from the priest or whatever that they they've died and she's in that church like that was pretty devastating mm-hmm. to me and and then she has to watch it again and she's kind of saying like why did i have to go through that again and you know like get re-traumatized um and I said, and she says, you have been running so long, you forgot to face your pain. Uh, and the only thing you love now is money. And so I thought that was a, an interesting take on the story because usually it's about sort of the fear of poverty that makes Scrooge the person that he becomes. But in this case, it's the fear of grief and the fear of pain uh, that turns her into uh, something that she can kind of control. Uh, which is work it's the fear of of dealing with that grief that's actually her problem not money and i like that i thought it was, it was a cool take mm-hmm. yeah all the stuff with her family that was that was all good mm-hmm. it was just one of those things where there was a bunch of other things happening that kind of 
turned me yeah. off of it. But I can see why you would like it for that reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt like most of that other stuff was pretty minimal. Yeah, and then she sees her dad for future. And then that's, mm-hmm. you know, her reaction to that is pretty emotional. She also sees, I thought the whole thing with her her boyfriend was weird because she has this this boyfriend that she dumps at the beginning of the movie and they're going to go to bali and she sees this whole scene of him picking out a wedding ring um and then they they have a a whole scene at the end where she uh she tells him oh you know i'm sorry but we're we're really not meant to be or something and i was kind of like why did we need this whole plot line yeah it was completely unnecessary (laughs) i don't understand uh why we needed her to have three different boyfriends love interests in the movie because she then goes and uh tells the minister friend ex-boyfriend that she's sorry uh and it was kind of like her 12 steps or something she had to say (laughs) sorry to everybody um and then finally she kind of realizes that this guy is the guy the driver is the guy for her and uh all that stuff did nothing for me I was just I I could have done away with it all and have it just be about her and her mom. That was what worked for me. The rest of it was not great. The scene with her meeting her old fiance, who's now a pastor, that was fine. Mm-hmm. But the one, the guy that she just broken up with, yeah, that that one was really unnecessary. And the, yeah. the thing at the beginning was unnecessary. And he was one of the worst actors in the movie. I thought, yeah, he was not quite as bad as some of the ancillary office people but like of all the people who have like major dialogue he was probably the worst yeah i i agree with that (laughs) it was pretty bad um so i guess with this like there can just be one part that i thought was strong enough that it was worth Mm -hmm. discussing and i thought it was a different take that i had seen before so i think if you're gonna watch this movie watch it for gloria rubin as her mom and for that whole plot yeah yeah so i guess it's christmas carol is your favorite of this group it's probably my favorite as well yeah (laughs) i think in terms of like being a good adaptation of the source material ebby is my favorite yeah as far as being a good overall movie it's christmas carol is my favorite i think that's that's very fair yeah this is definitely a loose it's christmas carol is definitely a very loose adaptation and the fact that they have carrie fisher playing every single ghost is a little bit much i mean i love carrie fisher but whatever she's so great (laughs) but yeah she plays marley past present and future (laughs) in the story but uh did you like the office workers in this much better they were much better that at the very beginning i was like okay this one guy he's gonna annoy me he seems like a very bad overactor but Uh mellowed out he was better by the end yeah the three that were like scheming behind her back they were kind of the worst ones but they weren't they didn't annoy me in the same way that i thought they were so funny i i enjoyed them like the whole revolution (laughs) i thought that was really funny but (laughs) carson cressley all this stuff made me laugh (laughs) yeah they at the beginning i was like oh no we're getting into another situation like the other one but then it turned out it wasn't like that at all 
yeah and you know what's really funny is that in hallmark movies a lot of times especially if they're set in the city for some reason if they want to show that somebody is a bad person they uh <laughs> they will have them ignore a bell ringing santa <laughs> and they do that at the very beginning the, <laughs> This, this Scrooge character, they totally have her just completely, like, she's not even just, she's not even she's just. She's not even ignoring him. It's like no, she's purposely she's, taunting him. Yeah, she's like, oh, what's wrong with you? Get out of my way. <laughs> so that was hilarious. I really liked that with Carol. That's kind of funny. I wouldn't have thought of that as being a trope, but. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, Hallmark yeah. Expert, so if something's a trope, you'll know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And of course, any good Hallmark heroine would of course give to a bell ringing Santa. <laughs> that is natural. <laughs> but yeah, you have this character, Carol, who is who's a piece of work. She runs this publishing house. It's interesting with this because they kind of have two Cratchit characters in this one. Because there's mm-hmm. her assistant named Kendra and then there's this woman named Tanya and uh, Kendra what I thought was interesting is uh, Kendra is sort of she's taken on Carol as a mentor and it's kind of similar to I don't know if you remember when we talked about the Barbie Christmas Carol but in the Barbie Christmas Carol the she sees in the future that her understudy or whatever has basically become like her and sort of taken her and, and oh, you kind yeah. Of, yeah yeah and you kind of see that in kendra that she ends up kind of becoming because she doesn't end up going with the boyfriend to europe or whatever and and mm-hmm. uh, she sacrifices all the stuff for carol and then she ends up kind of becoming like carol in the future which yeah. uh you know sort of upsetting for carol so there's kind of that plot line which i liked and then also you have this uh tanya who tries to picture this novel at the beginning and she gets fired uh Mm -hmm. for doing it so there's sort of that uh plot line as well uh you also have that she doesn't ever visit her mother because she is very resentful and so there's her mom with alzheimer's uh and there's this oh, nurse what was wrong with her mom i wasn't sure if they said because like i was trying to figure out what was going on with her mom like why she needed a caretaker like i'm pretty i don't know if they actually say those words but i feel like it was pretty clear that was the okay. the problem was that it was some kind of alzheimer's type of thing so yeah she's super jerk <laughs> and uh yeah i i like the uh the office revolt i think it's just sort of just over the top enough to be funny and they're gonna call it revolution publishing <laughs> like viva revolution <laughs> uh, and there's some i bet this had a lot of improving from carrie fisher i'm sh- you know she was a really talented writer and there's mm-hmm. a lot of moments in here that i wouldn't be surprised if they kind of came from her like mm-hmm. i love when when they say uh it, when she says bigger doesn't always mean better and carol says give me one example and she's like tumors cockroaches <laughs> <in> the wall. <laughs> <laughs> that, 
That is good. I like that. I also like just the like touch of whimsy that they have a few times. Like when she she goes out of the, the she keeps she keeps going out of closets and they're not like she's going into closets and they're not real. You know that this is a fake world kind of a thing. It's sort of funny. Mm-hmm. That probably was. I mean, it was kind of funny, but it was that was probably the thing that kind of I don't know annoyed me the most about this version was that she keeps purposely trying to leave Eve, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. like she thinks she has some sort of control over the situation. She's like, they they've gone to the past, and she's like, well, I'm leaving, and then she just leaves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, where did you think you were gonna go? <laughs> that's fair <laughs> it was kind of funny though <laughs> uh, but uh but it's also pretty aware of christmas carol which is always funny mm-hmm. and i think uh, both this version and every day is christmas like talked about a christmas carol yeah. like mentioning the story but i think it came up more in this one yeah and she even says at one point there's some line like uh it's 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 not Star Wars after all. There's some guy lied about that, which was funny. And <laughs> um and I don't know, just lines like uh, I, I like it when Carrie says, uh, you think everyone who works for you is happy? I have to capture this look of total cluelessness. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and uh and so she, uh, she was she was fun. I just liked Carrie Fisher in this role. Mm-hmm. It was my favorite part about the movie. For like, sure. There's I no don't doubt. think the movie would have been the same if somebody else had played this part. No way. No way. Uh, <laughs> uh, and she says, people like me have been coming down here to help people like you for generations. Uh, she says, Chuck was just the first one to write about it. <laughs> Charles Dickens. Uh-huh. So well, in, in that, talking about like the story of A Christmas Carol, at one point, you see Carol's mom and the nurse watching a version of the Christmas Carol. It's the 1935 version mm-hmm. with Seymour Hicks. Yeah. Which is such a weird coincidence because that's the version that I'm doing with Sarah this year. We have, oh, really? That's, we'll be recording it probably next week, but I, that, that's the version we're, we're recording and talking about. If I'm not mistaken, I think Seymour Hicks played Scrooge twice. I think he I was think in so. that, and then I think he was in a silent movie version yes. as well. Yeah, because I think we noticed that when we watched it, because we watched this like three weeks ago. We still haven't reviewed it. Yeah. We, we noticed it was the same person. I like when Carol says, says, I feel sorry for Scrooge. Scrooge was a smart businessman who was bullied into being a sentimental spendthrift. <laughs> that was good. That was good. And then you see that Carol is influencing Kendra, like I said, to be more like her. And to not go away uh, with her boyfriend because she's trying to get a transfer to mm. Paris, I think it is, or someplace like that. I forget. Yeah. But I'm, I'm guessing that her publishing company must have like a like a branch in London. Sure. Yeah. She wants to transfer to. Yeah, and she, I liked the moment where she's talking about her mom, and Carol says all she ever did was work, and then Eve says. But she didn't have a choice. You do, and I thought that that was pretty good because mm-hmm. our, you know, hard on Scrooge for obviously for the way he treats people. But I think the thing, what happens with Scrooge is that he, as a young person, he's so fearful of the world and fearful of poverty 
that he works really, really hard to get the position that he has. And I do like it in the, I think it's in the Mickey's Christmas Carol when he says, you work all your life to get money and then people just want you to give it away. (laughs) And uh, it is kind of true. Like if there was any other position that you work hard for, people wouldn't really expect you to just give it away. But it's more because he's just allowed his heart to be cold to the world and cold to Christ and, uh, and what Christmas really means. And so, you know, that's the case here is that it's not just that the Scrooge character in this case, that Carol works hard. That's not a problem. It's that she shut herself off from the joy of the world and mm-hmm. she doesn't have to, her mother kind of had to, uh, because of the situation Anyway, I, I like that. I think that's good. Because I think if you just portray Scrooge as a monster, you miss out on some of the story that it has to teach you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then she sees in the future, there's, uh, she sees Kendra at her funeral. And uh, the only says, person at her funeral. Yeah, in honor of you, she deemed today as a work day. <laughs> that was funny that's a good line Uh, and she says i don't want to be alone i want to change i don't know how to do it and then later on you see that with kendra and kendra says i thought i wasn't supposed to plan my life around a man and then she says you're planning your life with your man and so then she makes everything right with her mother with this guy ben which again I the romance is eh. <laughs> I don't care about that at all. Yeah, that um, was probably the most boring part of them. Yeah, <laughs> and I think the ending of her making everything right is a little drawn out for me. It's a little long. Of course, she also she reads manages to read that book overnight, which is pretty impressive. <laughs> she she tells the the other Cratchit lady that she's going to publish this book, mm-hmm. uh, give her a raise and everything. So. Yeah, I didn't really understand what was so great about the book because it turned out that the book was by and about her boyfriend. (laughs) Like, what did he do that was so great and life-changing and inspiring? It really wasn't explained. Yeah, that's true. It was by her her ex. And um, I don't know, it was just a a really compelling read, evidently. I don't (laughs) know. Uh, So... (laughs) And and overall, it's probably not important to the plot, but it's just... (laughs) made a big deal out of it i mean like she she read it and she was willing to take on a carol and she liked it so much so (laughs) evidently it's just a great book apparently this one doesn't have i don't think the emotion of every day's christmas which is what i appreciated about that one it's more fun it's more funny Mm -hmm. uh because carrie fisher's the best yeah you know and i i think emmanuel vegar is is pretty decent actress i think she does okay she's not carrie fisher but she's she's, she's okay <laughs> i think the only th- other thing i've ever seen her in is smallville because she played lex Luthor's girlfriend in an arc in like the early seasons i think it ended uh-huh. with them both trying to like, kill each other in various ways i don't remember <laughs> it's been yeah. a long time since i watched those but that's the only thing i've ever seen her in I've never been sure on how to pronounce her name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's in a couple different Hallmark movies. She's not like my favorite of Hallmark leading ladies, but I think she's okay. (laughs) She does okay. Yeah, Yeah, she was fine. Yeah. She wasn't my favorite in this 
for in this movie, but that's because nobody could beat Carrie Fisher. Yeah, that's true. It's really true. You know, I mean, I prefer versions. None of these, none of these three are like my favorite versions. I just, we'd already done yeah. uh, most of my favorite favorites or you had done them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but I think they all try different things and are entertaining. So for me, I would say I, I like the fact that every day is Christmas is about grief and about this relationship with her mom and seeing her mom again. I just thought that was really good. I like that with Abby, I think it, it's, it is funny and it also has that emotion, you know, in anything dealing with her sister. And I just think it's sort of clever, like ghost of Christmas presents and mm-hmm. been them coming from the, the store and makes it a fun watch. And then I also, uh, just this is Christmas Carol. It's just it's funny, and it gets some of those beats uh, down for Christmas Carol, and it's got Carrie Fisher. So all three I think are worth a watch, and I think are entertaining. Uh, none of them are perfect, but mm-hmm. yeah, especially yeah. if you're someone like me who's wanting to watch a bunch of different versions of things. Yeah, I would say check these out. If you're only going to watch one, I'd say it's Christmas Carol, but I think yeah. Evie's worth it too, and. Every day is Christmas. Is, eh, depends on who you are. If you're more like Rachel, you'll like it. If you're more like uh, me, you probably won't. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But I would agree that it's Christmas Carol is the best of these three. Yeah, agree. especially because I just love Carrie Fisher. Yeah, exactly. The reason I ended up wanting to talk about this is because. I started editing what I was going to do for the next episode of the podcast, this episode of the podcast, and I realized, I hadn't listened to it in years, but I started editing the Divas part, and you mentioned one with Tori Spelling. I was like, wait a minute, I haven't seen one with Tori Spelling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, got to find this one last one. We've got to talk about this one too. Make it an even five. Yeah. <laughs> And I like I like this one. I think it's got some interesting choices and does some interesting things. Yeah, I uh, ended up liking this one too. I you know I think that Tori Spelling she gets kind of a bad rap, uh, but I think she can be pretty funny if she wants to be. She has a, a decent comic timing about her, and I think that her as this kind of diva character is pretty good. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen her in a whole lot. The main thing I remember her from is she was one of the villains on a single episode of Smallville one time. And yeah. I believe she was some kind of a diva in that mm-hmm. show too. Not the same type of diva. I don't remember exactly how it went down. It's been years since I've seen that. I didn't find any issues with her acting in this at all. Anything that was cliche or subpar mostly was from the script. It wasn't from her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I thought for the most part, the acting in this was really decent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's running this talk show and it's, you know, very kind of Ricky Lake kind of mm-hmm. uh, type of show, real trashy. <laughs> yeah. And she doesn't care and she doesn't care about the people who work for her. And in this case, you have instead of Bob Cratchit, you have a female cratchit named roberta was there a roberta cratchit in a different version too oh i'm sure there yeah i'm sure i seem to remember that like maybe the eddie (laughs) one it's been a while since i watched that one but i could swear there was a roberta that replaced bob cratchit 
yeah, I'd have to watch him again uh, to remember. But um, in this one, Roberta is buying presents for her niece and nephew. And you have her ex is trying to take uh, the child away, uh, Roberta's child. Lily. And she sees that Roberta is spending more than the amount that she gave her to spend for the niece and nephew. And I think she says something like, just get them a rock or something like that. <laughs> no, I, I think it, it's not that she says, get them rocks. It's that they bring her rocks. Remember that in the beginning? The, 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 niece one, and nephew? the one child painted her a rock. Yeah, painted her a rock. And she's like, uh, why'd you give me this? <laughs> Which I love. Roberta's daughter is the Tiny Tim character. But did they mention any sort of ailment because usually the tiny tim character has some kind of an ailment and i didn't notice that there was anything wrong with her was she just a normal kid i think she's just a normal kid but the ex is trying to take her away i think that's sort of the main oh you're right because at the end in the funeral scene they talk about she hardly sees her daughter anymore because the ex got custody yeah okay that makes sense yeah one thing I like in this version is I like the take on uh, Jacob Marley. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have Aunt Marla. I, and, it, t- it took me a second to realize, oh, yeah, that's Aunt Marla, Jacob Marley. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I thought yeah, that was yeah. good. Yeah, was, it was good. There was a few things like that, like the Roberta instead of Bob Robert. And th- that was one thing that was I liked. And at the same time, I thought it was kind of weird because you had all these like one-to-one obvious comparisons with the Christmas Carol story. Like even the spirits were the ghost of Christmas past, present and future. But then you have the actual book in the story because they're reading a Christmas Carol. So a Christmas Carol exists. So in in the universe of a Carol Christmas is a Christmas Carol historic like is it a history or is it historical fiction are these ghosts something that everybody knows exists or is it just random that the story happens to feature these characters and then they come and visit her i think it's just <laughs> random i think it's because she doesn't she strange. say something like uh you're gonna try to pull this kind of this uh scrooge thing on me or you know she makes a <laughs> comment there's like a meta reference about it yeah i I feel like there was a couple of meta references to the Mm -hmm. the story beyond just reading it but you know the the thing that aunt marla reminds me of and this will go back to i think our first christmas in july we ever recorded is i actually think this is similar to the plot what they do for the barbie christmas carol because in that one they also have her aunt who's this kind of the stage in that case it's an opera singer that uh, you know won't let her go out and makes her practice and practice and and here i think it works as well i like it and and here marla is coming to her and saying everything i told you was wrong Mm -hmm. all the advice i gave you was bad and we find out that marla uh, I just think it's it's kind of funny that her sort of stage mom-ishness uh, went to the point where she threw a fit the fact that that uh, she was a wise man and not playing Mary. In the- <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize that's what she was upset at first because she looked in the little dish that she had and she was like, yeah. Mer, they couldn't even <laughs> give you gold? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Me up. That's so like, funny. You've got to be merry. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, we also find out that Marla scares off the past the, love, John the Joyce. Stand in for Bo. I thought was a real putz. But <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that character is really hard to do because he's kind of perfect, like without flaws. Uh, yeah, you're kind of right. It's, I feel like he's usually a putz. Uh, the bell type character yeah it's usually pretty lame I, um, I did like the choice to have the bell character be interested in charity which is kind of the opposite mm-hmm. of scrooge i mean it's he's like perfect mm-hmm. he's like a saint yeah working in a soup kitchen and and everything but uh you know marla says you know you gotta always keep them waiting uh and i don't know how effective that philosophy would be in show business yeah i think i mean unless you're oprah winfrey or someone like really famous then i think you need to be on time where you need to be don't leave even then if you keep treating people badly by even just keeping them waiting yeah i don't see how that gains you respect because that was her point was like they'll respect you if you keep them waiting and i'm like yeah if somebody's purposely not coming I mean, if they're if they're like a chronically late person, it's kind of annoying, and I I get it. But to the point where they're doing it on purpose, that I would not respect that at all. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we find out that she is making deals behind the scene about her show turning it into this trashy show. Well, she she yeah. they like specifically called it a freak show at one point. It's mm-hmm. like Ricky Lake or Maury, but like worse yeah it's like kind of jerry springer uh so yeah i think that all works pretty well I yeah. do, and i think that tori is snarky enough to be funny mm-hmm. and she i think she pulled off both sides of the character well because at the beginning there was nothing likable about her i hated her and i fully yeah. believed that she was an irredeemable awful person yeah but by the end I liked her. I I, I yeah. was actually on her side. So I think she pulled that Which, off really well. That's that's the whole journey of Christmas Carol. Yeah. And obviously this is 2003 made for TV movie. So like as far as production and everything, you have yeah, to take it yeah. with a grain of salt. But it's, yeah. It's one I, of those things where like you kind of know what you're getting into. It's a TV movie. So like don't expect great cinema. And I think... Mm-hmm. I mean, I had I had a good time watching it. I ended up really liking yeah. it. So yeah, I know. I I think it's uh, it's not like you're making excuses, but you're just accepting for s- something for what it is, uh, and mm-hmm. not expecting feature film uh, budget. Uh, but yeah, the ghost we kind of skipped over the ghost of Christmas Past is uh, Gary Coleman, mm-hmm. and they make a few kind of little jokes about him, and but I think he's perfectly fine in this role. Yeah. He does a good job. The the, the thing that I liked. I don't know if I liked it the most about his character, but I liked that they made it a point to keep them, if not eye level, like similar heights, even though Mm -hmm. he's of course quite short, but I liked that they actually called it out at one point because they're looking in the window of the trailer and like, he's rising up (laughs) to be at her height. And I was like, that's, that's great. I really liked that. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, when they were good. sitting on the bench, he was sitting on the back of the bench so that they could still talk face-to-face. It's little things like that that they didn't necessarily point out that I noticed and yeah. I appreciated. But I really yeah. liked the one part where he's, like, physically yeah. rising up to be at eye right. level with her. 
<laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good. Uh, and then for present, uh, we have William Shatner. And uh, he has a pretty big name, I feel like, for this kind of movie at, yeah. you know, at, the, at the time and everything. And I think it was on Boston Legal right around this time. I could be wrong on that. But yeah, I thought it was kind of funny. He only speaks some cliches. That was funny. He also, I didn't really understand why he had a sneezing problem. Like, was there a point to that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this is when we see the ex trying to take the child from Roberta. Mm-hmm. And then we see Roberta getting the presents for her niece and nephew. Then she sees John at the soup kitchen being a perfect human. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why but it strikes me as really funny that he's the one you're picking on in this movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a putz what can you say <laughs> i totally see that now but i didn't even think about it when i was watching <laughs> i was like yeah he's a good guy but now i see yeah he really was kind of too perfect wasn't yeah. he yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then how random is it that they got James Cromwell to be <laughs> future in this weird TV movie? Yeah, no, that was very random. Oscar nominated. And he didn't even say anything. He was just no. there <laughs> staring. <laughs> Which, I mean, it was effective. It was, yeah. he was good in the part. Just kind of random to see him <laughs> yeah, he's like, show up in this TV movie. Yeah, he's like, who will pay my, who will pay my day? Who will pay my rate? <laughs> I, I need a gig right now this minute and his people were like okay here you go be in the tory spelling <laughs> what <laughs> i would love to know the backstory behind that uh it's really random he's a limo driver he takes her to the future and she sees that her show has become a disaster yeah that christmas is the show to tell their families how much they hate them <laughs> Which is kind of terrible, but hilarious. Yeah, hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) I could have used more Crazy Scrooge. Uh, You know, what's what I call when Scrooge gets awoken and is redeemed and kind of is sort of mad for a little bit, yelling out at the little boy and getting the the turkey and all that stuff. Uh, And I love love Crazy Scrooge. And I could have Mm -hmm. used more of that with Carol because I think Tori would have been hilarious. Yeah, I I feel like they did crazy, but in sort of a more downplayed way because most of her craziness was saved for Roberta because, like, she Mm -hmm. gives Roberta a ton of stuff yeah she triples her salary gives her a house gives her her entire wallet so that she can go shopping <laughs> and she gives her a lawyer yeah so she can keep her kid it's like she, yeah. she went all out for roberta technically she sort of did too because she gives the entire staff a trip to hawaii as well which and it's is crazy in its own way but it works yeah I mean, it's it's interesting because you look at the pieces of this with Shatner, Coleman, Tory Spelling, with all this stuff, and you think, oh, this is going to be really nutso. But really, I mean, it's pretty straightforward interpretation of Christmas Carol. It, it I mean, really was. I was I was not expecting much out of this version. Yeah. <laughs> I did not expect to like it like I did. I expected it to be really cheesy and badly acted, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. Right. So I think the fact that I had such low expectations really mm-hmm. helped. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but I actually I ended up really enjoying it. So yeah, yeah, it's it's a good one. It's it's one I enjoy, and I, I think it could have even been more wacky. Like that, I think that like Divas Christmas Carol is has a little bit more creativity as mm-hmm. far as. You know, like I love the fact that they do the behind the music as the mm-hmm. future. I think that's so clever. Yeah. Um, and some of the other choices it makes are, are pretty clever. But uh, it, I might even say it's a little underrated. It's a fun version. It really yeah. is. And I think that most people will look at it and be like, oh, Tori Spelling. The title doesn't help anything either. <laughs> I wouldn't even give it a shot. And then they actually watch it and they're like, oh, that was fun. Yeah, no, I don't think I would have ever watched it if I weren't yeah. doing this podcast episode, but I'm glad I did. Yeah, so I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. It's it's fun to watch, especially, I think, it in July. It's kind of fun to get into the Christmas spirit. Well, since we've done five of these, I think we should, like, rank them as, like, worst to best. Okay. Or least favorite to most favorite, if you like them all. Let's do it. What do you think is your least favorite? Um, I think my least favorite is Every Day is Christmas, but I still I still value it. I still think mm-hmm. it was an interesting take uh, in making uh, it about her grief uh, that has kind of immobilized her as opposed to her greed. And mm-hmm. the fact that the ghost was her mother and father. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I connected emotionally with that part of the take, um, but the romance part did not work at all. I didn't like that at all. Uh, and I'm not saying that Tony Braxton is the best actress in the world, but I still, I will defend it on that level of, I think that was an interesting take uh, to kind of make it about grief, kind of immobilizing her as opposed to money. Uh, that's the typical kind of thing that sort of freezes uh, Scrooge and uh, I liked that I thought it was interesting I think that Every Day is Christmas is probably my least favorite as well I think you probably liked it more than I did I didn't dislike it per se but it didn't really connect with me in most mm-hmm. ways that I think it connected with you I liked some of the choices they made I thought there were some creative things that they did with the story but overall it was kind of forgettable for me mm-hmm. so that's why it's at the bottom of my list. Yeah. Yep, that's fair. So what's your next one? So my next one is probably Ebby, I think, is my next one. <laughs> that's my next one, too. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how similar our <laughs> lists are going to be. <laughs> and I'd have to re-watch it because it has been a while since I yeah. watched it. Um, and I definitely, I mean, I think they they have some interesting motivation with her feeling like she abandoned her sister uh when you know her sister dies in childbirth and mm-hmm. she was at a party and you know so so they try to kind of expand that and there's some fun moments the fact that everybody that's in the store ends up being the spirits mm-hmm. uh is fun i enjoy that it's so it's, it's perfectly enjoyable but i don't know it's tough to rank <laughs> Yeah, I I think the reason it's lower on my list is because I found it more forgettable than the others. Yeah. Because even though they did a really good job of making it, I guess, more like a Christmas carol, like they they found like one-to-one comparisons for most of the characters. Mm -hmm. And it was basically the story of a Christmas carol, just gender swapped and modern day. Yeah. So I think they did a good job in that respect, but overall it was kind of forgettable. So that's why it's lower on my list. 
Yeah, I think so. So next one is a tough one for me, uh, but I went with a Carol Christmas. Okay. Our lists have diverged. Oh, have they? Yeah, (laughs) I pretty much a tie between my three and two. I like them for different reasons. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, like we've talked about, uh, already, uh, I, I think it's a pretty fun version. I think that they, uh, you know, they got Shatner in there, they got Coleman in there, they got, uh, Tori having fun and overall I, it's perfectly enjoyable, uh, version of Christmas Carol. Yeah. For me, the top three were really hard because each one has things that I did really like about it. Yeah. But I ended up sticking It's Christmas Carol right in the middle because even though I remember I enjoyed it while I was watching it, and of course I love Carrie Fisher, a lot of the rest of the movie I don't remember much of. So I feel like if I've forgotten a bunch of it except for the one character that I know I really liked, yeah, probably shouldn't go higher on my list. Well, so, I mean, I, I was debating as well because I, because it is so it is a time is it is i was debating because it is kind of lazy (laughs) i do think i mean (laughs) i i think they could have as much as we all love carrie fisher i think we could have had a ghost or two we could have had jacob marley you know like for her to be everything yeah Uh, but i do love carson cressley and the uh the group of employees that are that are starting revolution publishing and Mm. and uh (laughs) I don't know. I think that whole thing is funny. Revolution. And, <laughs> and I do think there's some pretty funny lines in there. I think a lot of it was probably improv from Carrie Fisher. And so it's, it, it, that's why I was having the debate is do I pick the one that I think uh, is more accurate to the story, a better Christmas Carol version, or do I pick the one that is maybe a little bit funnier, a little bit mm-hmm. uh, then I don't know. So it's tough. I, maybe I could call those a tie. <laughs> so that was your number yeah, two. Pick was then. Yeah. Yeah. I think we probably just swapped those around because I was mm-hmm. debating on whether to pick a Carol Christmas too, but I think I ended yeah. up sticking it in the number two spot, even though like right now, I felt like it should be really high, but that's that happens to me with a lot of movies. Yeah. I just watched something. I really liked it. And for like a week, it's like my favorite. And then uh-huh. I go on, I, I realize it's flaws yeah. and then it goes down on my list. Like yeah. when I watched Jurassic World, I was like, this is the best Jurassic Park movie I've ever seen. Oh, and, no. <laughs> <laughs> I gave it a while. I was like, yeah, no, the first one is the best one. Yeah. So. Oh, good, good. <laughs> came to your senses <laughs> it's just i have like a post movie high that i'm yeah. on so i think i've still got that for a carol christmas i think we all we all can do that sometimes uh i think that's a good thing you should let the movie win you over we shouldn't be too cynical these days uh so we have the same number one yes we do yeah diva's christmas carol it's so good yeah it's it's really creative it's really funny it's emotional it goes some pretty dark places uh in her past it really does a good job of giving scrooge character motivations you understand why she's doing what she's doing Mm -hmm. um and uh why you know her scare her fear from her father and why she did what she did and i think the the guy the bob cratchit guy her manager guy is my mm-hmm. favorite. He's kind of a putz. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> but um, but other than that, I think it's pretty it's pretty good. It's yeah, pretty, it, pretty it's good. definitely not a perfect movie, but I I really liked it. Yeah. And the fact that I remember most of it, even like three years now later from seeing it, yeah. and I've gone back to it and watched parts of it again, I feel like that says something because yeah. like the others, I haven't really yeah. thought about too much since then. Yeah. But like A Devious Christmas Carol has stuck into my head yeah. as one of the most creative takes on the story. Yeah, it just, would be. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It would be definitely without a doubt my top 10 Christmas carols. Like, including feature films and everything for sure one day once i've watched more versions i should make a top 10 list and see if yeah. it ends up in there yeah. i bet it would be now but i don't think yeah. i've seen that many yet mm-hmm. i know you did your whole list yeah. years ago Way back. you've seen more than i have yeah but it, it would be on my list right now yeah and Vanessa williams is just like perfect yes. casting yes oh i loved her. absolutely perfect yes. in the role and uh and good music too to boot yeah uh well, very good we did it yeah we ranked the christmas carol yeah well thanks for doing this with me i know it was sort of last minute but i really wanted to get this one in yeah it's fun do you want to let people know where they can find you yeah you can find me at rachel's reviews all over social media and on itunes and youtube and uh on Rotten tomatoes so please check that out and uh, you can find me at the Hallmarkies podcast where we review all things Christmas all year round. Including stuff like this. <laughs> Including stuff like this. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for joining me. We will see you for another episode sometime in the future. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thanks to Rachel for joining me for this episode of Every Version Ever. If you want more from her, make sure to check out her links in the description below, but also make sure to check out my other podcast, because Rachel joined me for two episodes of I Heart Movies as well. She and her Hallmarkies co-host Cammy brought me two different Hallmark films to talk about, and then Rachel and I talked about another Christmas movie she's been hyping up for a while, another Hallmark-esque holiday rom-com called Christmas Perfection. Next time we're actually doing another five-film podcast, but this is one I've actually been planning from the beginning of the podcast. My cousin Sarah is joining me, and we're going to be talking about all the different silent film versions of A Christmas Carol. It's always so much fun to talk about these historical films with Sarah, so make sure to come back next time for the finale of Christmas in July on every version ever. Thanks for listening.